Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Looking around, I find the sea. I think I need a change. The rat race, I wanna flee. My world, I'll rearrange. I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be. Growing gardens, picking fruit, racing livestock, living free. It's a Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrook, joined again by... Rachel Jameson. Here we are. Yeah, we Finally. survived the the, uh, the great sickness of 2023. We both had... You had it before me, and you had it when my wife had it a few weeks ago, like three weeks ago. And then right. you started recovering, and then I caught it for my wife, and then I got really sick for two weeks, and... Oh man, we're I'm still on the mend. You're still on the mend. It was horrible. Yeah, I'm still coughing, and <laughs> we're gonna try our best to make it through this without uh, coughing. But the um, it's just going around. I keep hearing people getting oh, it, yeah. so it must be going around because you're all the way down there, and I'm all the way up yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, we're hundreds got... of miles apart, and it's not like we had pretty much the same thing. It's crazy. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Well, today we're gonna talk about a few useful perennials that you can multiply through division because I find that's a great way to just kind of expand your homestead. I mean, I love plants that I can divide. I mean, it's one of the reasons, and I'll mention comfrey here as one of my first ones, but it's one of the reasons I love comfrey so much because you can take a couple plants and then have a hundred plants in no time right. or, or even things like hostas. I didn't put hostas on the list, but I mean, that was my first really experience with dividing a plant was like hostas. You know, I'd take and divide hostas. We ended up with hostas all over our property. And uh, we have the same thing. I almost added them to the list. Yeah, I did too, because they are a useful plant and they do have a purpose in the garden. I mean, you they're not just pretty plants. Yeah, you can eat them. They're great ground cover. I mean, they, they're a great, we could have absolutely put it on the list as a useful plant. Um, but it was one of those first plants I had an experience yeah. like that with. And, um, so I love plants that divide. I love perennials that you can divide and expand and just grow your homestead with them. And it's like you buy that initial batch of plants and then from there on out, it's just free expansion and free multiplica yeah. multiplication through division. We're not math wizards, but that sounds right, right? It's kind of like chicken math, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, that's going to be our topic today. I think it's a good one because... I mean, we're all interested in, in expanding our homesteads and it's a good way to do it. And when I think of all the things you can do cheap... This is one of those yes. things that come to my mind. You start with a couple plants, and next thing you know, you got hundreds of these plants on your property if you want them. So we'll talk about that. But before we jump into that, let's get our homestead updates out of the way. Of course, we both got sickness on the list, but what's going on, Rachel? Well, recovering from sickness and trying to catch back up from all the things that I had to set aside while I recovered. But um, I have been, since I've recovered, been planting um, seeds and doing lots of watering and we're finally finally seeing the garden now well, so the snow, snow is finally away, starting huh? to melt we finally we still have some um but 
it's mostly gone, but that's what I've been doing is just trying to catch back up. I have lots and lots of seeds that I've started this year. This year I'm doing a lot of um, flowers just because I decided I wanted things to look pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm doing a lot of flowers that I'm starting from seeds and um, not just edibles, but, and I am also doing a lot of medicinals. So, and I'm growing a few plants for like my mom and stuff like that so yeah yeah i have quite a few plants under my lights right now do you yeah um, probably i mean several several hundred <laughs> yeah i i i had more than i have now <laughs> talk about that here uh again i've been sick too and it's been a really hard one i mean i've been down like i haven't been able to do anything and uh that means that uh i neglected a lot of things which means I lost some plants because I had actually stuck some out in the greenhouse and just forgot about them. And I don't know if it was the heat of the day or the cold of the night, but something killed a lot of tomato and pepper plants that I had started. So guess what? It's in, in, and here I am starting late now. I got to restart those. Um, so I, I got I to gotta plant some more. I'm, I'm going to start those today. As a matter of fact, I kind of just realized yesterday that they were pretty well done. It looks like I thought maybe they might recover. I watered them and waited a few days and they just got worse and worse and worse. So they're done. Okay. And, um, but we have several nice days here now. Um, so I've been just since the last two days and then today I'm going to get out and do it too. I've been planting elderberry. I just dug a big long trench all on this whole fence, uh, on one, the South side of my house. I'm sorry, the North side of my house. And I've been going down through there and just dropping them pulling them out of the aquaponics system and putting them in. And I've got a few of them already in, but I want to, I'm going to just, it's going to be a whole row. And I'm, I think I'm gonna have about 40, um, oh, wow. elderberry plants. I'm putting along that, that fence line. I'm anxiously looking at the ones that you gave me, hoping they sprout soon. I'm just, you, oh yeah. They haven't started yet. They haven't started budding or anything. Well, we just got, I mean, we just got warm. Okay. Just, I mean, we've That's had true. snow That's like true. a couple feet. So. Yeah, mine still are asleep. fully leaved. I mean, even the ones that are outside are already have leaves on. Oh, we them. don't it's even crazy. have any leaves. We don't even have. Yeah. We just have tiny buds on our trees right now. Wow. So, well, and I I mentioned a few weeks ago that I purchased some water chestnuts, some Chinese water chestnuts oh, yeah. on online, and I hadn't received them yet. And I was like, okay. Well, I said that, and then the very next day, I actually got them in the mail, which okay, was cool. wild. And but I threw them in the fridge because it was still a little bit too cool. Even though I was putting them in the greenhouse, I was afraid because they can't freeze. Um, so I waited a while, but I did get those planted, um, last week. I went ahead and muscled up enough strength to get out there and, uh, plant those in the aquaponics. I actually made a, a soil bed down in the water. Um, okay. it's kind of a, I, I've got it actually lifted to the top and, but it's underwater. It's like right at the level it's floating kind of. It, it, kind of, I mean, it's at, it's at surface level and I got those planted. I do think I'm going to change my setup though. Cause I don't think I have a deep enough soil. I only have about five inches of soil and i've been doing a little bit more homework on that and it sounds like they really go deeper and they okay. they really will will spread those corms which are your rear water chest the actual part you eat um it'll actually spread those a lot deeper and kind of multiply those deeper so a lot of people just use like five gallon buckets um oh, to grow okay. them in and they'll kind of grow down i love those things i hope that works for you so yeah i'm gonna, gonna i might wait till they kind of sprout there and get going and then i might just try to transplant them delicately into some five gallon buckets so do something. you eat the like the root the, part of that is that the, what you're yeah the corm then? it's the corm which we'll talk we're going to actually talk about what that is here in just a little bit yeah um yeah that's what part is the, the what they call the the nut kind of but it's not really a nut of course it's just a right. corm <laughs> it's kind of like a tuber but it's not a tuber um okay. 
but yeah, that those are planted. So that's kind of, I'm excited to see how that goes. I, I hope that they, they do well. I mean, I hear so many good things about how prolific they are. Do you eat stuff. the green too or no? I don't think so. No, I think you just okay. eat the, yeah, but they put out a bunch, I guess, from what I, what I've seen on a couple of videos I've watched and a little bit of reading I've done on them. So I'm excited about that. Anyway, it's, a, well, it's I a, love them. They're yummy. It's experimental. So we'll see how it goes. I may lose the whole thing and I, they only sent me like, <laughs> five of them i think i mean right. but i guess it doesn't take a lot and it just goes crazy um so i think i have to change that around a little bit but i'm excited about it and uh yeah i mean i just try to get some things going this week with the garden and but the last yeah, couple of weeks have been pretty thing. dead i mean we didn't even do a i didn't even do a podcast last week i did one two weeks ago without you because you were really sick, I was at that sick. Point. yeah then i caught I, I was actually just getting it kind of right then and uh, I couldn't even muster up the strength to do a podcast last week. It was so bad. Well, I, know. I mean, I was, you and I said we couldn't even like we couldn't even sit and read. We were so sick. Yeah, we didn't, there was. I mean, it was literally just lay back and stare at the ceiling, and you know, mm -hmm. couldn't sleep, couldn't do nothing. I mean, it was just coughing so much. So, yeah, pretty miserable. But anyway, back on track. I think I feel good. I don't sound perfect yet, uh, but I feel pretty good. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm still battling things a little bit, but <clears throat> what do you got for this week's uh, book recommendation? It's a different book, but I thought it might interest some people. So I bought this a while ago because we're, you know, tossing around this idea of building a house on our property. It's called Movable Insulation. And I forgot the book on my bookshelf. I had it in here last week when we were <laughs> going to do our podcast and then we delayed it because of sickness. But it is, it's an older book, not super old, but it's basically um, talks about insulation and it teaches, it gives several different um, plans and stuff like that to make insulation that you can use around the house, like insulated curtains, but not like what you buy or yeah. what a, online or whatever, but, or um, actual, what would you call them? Shades. Not that you roll down, but like almost like shutters. There we go. Okay. Shutters that you can make that are super insulated. It just, it really helps you lower your utility bills okay. either with heat or like if you live somewhere where it's hot or if you live somewhere where it's cold. Yeah. It's just nice. a really interesting book. It's kind of a. <clears throat> yeah. That's definitely different. Book. Yeah. Kind of a permaculture -y book, but I, I got it because it was a suggestion from somebody else and a bunch of people highly recommended it. So we, I had read it last winter, and I think we're going to be reading it to you kind of think about how we're going to do this with our house. Because one of the things we want with our house is for it to be really insulated. Yeah, sure. That sounds like a great recommendation there. I mean, yeah. that's something a little different, something we don't normally talk about, but I like it. That's a Well, and the nice part is, is you can retrofit. So if you have a house right now, it doesn't have, you don't have to build the house yeah. And then use it. You can retrofit this to an old house. Hence, movable insulation, the yeah, title of the movable. book. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Nice. yeah. You can put it on the outside or on the inside. There's several different methods to do it and talks about all the science behind it. Cool. Great yep. recommendation. Yeah. Well, in, in the spirit of kind of what we're talking about today in in expanding your homestead on, on the cheap, I, I recommended the book, The Grafter's Handbook. And again, I don't, just like you, I don't have this book because I don't have the hard copy of this book because the hard oh, copy is no okay. longer in print. So you have to buy used copies of it. And used copies are expensive. Like they're running like 75, 80 bucks. For, it's like a 300 page book. But they're really expensive. But I put a link in for the ebook, which is what I have, and it's only like three bucks. You oh, know? 
Nice. So it's really cheap, but it's a really, really in-depth. I mean, it's kind of the, the manual on grafting. I uh, called the Grafter's Handbook by R.J. Garner. Um, yeah, uh, the Grafter's Handbook. And it's something I, I bought several years ago, ran across several years ago. And ever since then, I've been looking for an affordable copy of the hard copy because it has a hardback uh, used books. Um, man, every time I find one, they're like 75, 80, 90 bucks. I mean, they're never oh, cheap. Man. Um, yeah, if I ever run across one for 20, 25 bucks or something, you know, I'd like to be, get all over it, but I ain't going to pay uh 90 bucks for a, <laughs> a book on grafting. Right. But, for $90, you could print yours out. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, the, the ebook's definitely worth having. It's, it's, a, it is definitely got some valuable information in it. If you're interested at all in learning how to graft and just having all the information there, it's one worth having because, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of, to me, I think it's kind of the the manual on that really the handbook i mean oh i'm looking around a long time it was i was thinking you were going to say it's been printed a long time ago but it says it was 2017 what was it did they have a cop they have some come out in 2017 i don't i didn't think so publication date 2017 maybe that was for the ebook maybe that was oh you know what i bet it was they probably do a a separate copyright on ebook i'm not sure but i know the books have been around for quite a while i'm not even sure what the actual date on the hardback is but um yeah, they're hard yes. to find though. I know that. <laughs> they're hard to find to cheap anyway. Out. You can't find you can find used copies, obviously. I found them all right. over the place, eBay, everywhere. But like I said, I think the cheapest one I saw was like $75. So Wow. Yeah, they're out there. But hey, you can get the ebook for $2.99 right now. It looked like on Amazon. So that and was you good say deal. it's good, so I'm sure it is. It is. It's got anything I've learned about grafting, I pretty much learned from that book. So it's good stuff. So yeah, nice. that's my book recommendation this week, even though it's an ebook, because I, I really like paper books. I do. I love Yeah, them. me too. And if I, if I could have recommended a, a one on this one, it would have been all about it. But yep, ebooks got it has to be the way you go on this one, because unless you just got some cash laying around, you want to buy a nice used copy. <laughs> but if you got that much yeah. cash laying around, you might as well just buy two and send me one too. And that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I love having a real book as well, but I do have a few books that are PDF. Yeah, I've got some good. I've got some good ebooks. Yeah. I tell you, when I really like ebooks, um, I just love a good like story ebook because I love to sit around a campfire in the summertime at night. Yes. And ebooks on my Kindle are so great to read outside because you get that backlight in the Kindle, you know, and you can just sit there and read next to a campfire or something, and it's really nice. I do. That's when I do enjoy an ebook. Um, right. But I, I just. You look behind me and I mean, I got shelves of books back here and I just, I love, I love my books. You know, I love having an actual paper book. So anyway, that's what we have for you there. So we'll jump into our topic for the day. A few useful perennials you can multiply through division. By no means will this be an exhaustive list. Um, We just named a few that we're kind of familiar with that, that uh, I find like they're great plants to have on the homestead. And there are a bunch more that are great plants also to have. But I thought before we actually get into the list of the of the plants, we talk a little bit about the division and kind of some identify some parts. Um, and it helps you kind of understand the division process. So you'll hear the term crown a lot. Um, and the crown is the part of the plant. It's below the soil surface and it's where the shoots kind of grow out of like if you have hostas for example or comfrey you'll just see like where the shoots start coming up out of the that that you know kind of that root ball right at the surface level that's your crown and a lot of times that can just be divided really tore apart or cut apart i like to use a hoary hoary or whatever sometimes to get a cleaner cut you know so you need to think out a bunch of pieces or whatever 
Um, but yeah, you can divide that up and, and, and you can use, like I said, a garden fork or spade or a knife or whatever, or just rip them apart in a lot of plants. Um, it, most plants do best if you do that when they're dormant. But I also find that a lot of plants that can be divided like this almost don't care. They're so hardy. Most of these perennials are so hardy that, I mean, I've, I've torn them apart on a hundred degree day in the middle of summer and planted them and they survive because they're just crazy. I mean, they just survive, you know? Yeah. We've divided our rhubarb that way so many times. It doesn't seem to care. Yeah. The the suggestion is though, when they're dormant or very, or, or right when they very first start, um, you know, kind of putting up shoots or whatever. Uh, another section that we'll talk about on some plants, some plants have bulbs. They divide by bulbs yes. like, like lilies, like true lilies, not, not day lilies, but true lilies have bulbs. So, um, you know, so they can be, you know, they're with bulbs. What you'll have is like these fleshy scales that kind of come off the sides of the bulb and they'll actually yeah. produce more bulbs, but you can actually peel those off and plant just those scales and it'll grow a whole bulb. Um, but yeah, if you don't like, do anything, they'll kind of separate on their own and create more. Bulk. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's that, it's that, uh, kind of like a garlic. Kind of like that. Yeah. Bulb kind of growth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, onions do that. I mean, they'll yeah. kind of yep, pull, they'll do pull that away too. and divide like that also, if you just leave them alone and they'll divide and spread. And then the next thing, uh, is corms. I mentioned that with my water chestnuts, yeah. they have corms and they kind of get confused with bulbs because they're just like these round things, but they don't have scales that peel off. They actually, they actually get what's called, I think it's called a, a cormlet that will actually grow a little ball on the side of the corm and it'll actually separate from it. And it's like a whole nother corm that just kind of separates, but it's not like a scale. It doesn't scale like a, like a bulb. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever dealt with that. Yeah. They, there's some flowers that have it. I'm trying to think what's the one there- flower um, that's kind of popular. I can't, Oh, I can't remember all of a sudden. But there's a flower. There's a couple flowers that are pretty common okay. that have corms also, but water chestnut is is kind of useful. So I it actually made our list and we'll talk about that when we get down to it because it is a useful plant. Um, not that the flowers aren't either. I you know what? Even if you just got if you did the flowers, I mean, if your flower does nothing else than look pretty and draw in pollinators, it's a beneficial plant to have on your property. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, bees are it doesn't have to be edible or anything like that. Right. <clears throat> So, Any pollinator. And then just making your neighbors happy by having your yard look pretty as always. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and next thing we'll talk about are tubers. Tubers are another way that you divide. Now, there's a couple different kinds of tubers. There's stem tubers and there's root tubers. Um, now, stem tubers, surprisingly, that's actually like a normal potato is a stem tuber, like your regular potato. And a root tuber is actually more like a sweet potato. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, so it's actually, those are kind of like two different kinds of tubers. If you've so seen you'll how have they some, grow, it makes sense, yeah. Right, yeah. So, yeah, you'll see it's kind of actually, so a root tuber is more like a swollen root. Yes. what you see. Where, where, which with like a regular potato, you actually see like the eyes coming off of it. That's an actual called a stem tuber because you actually, they'll grow stems off of that tuber. Um, uh, so the, the eyes kind of go off in pieces like that. So there's a couple different kind of tubers that spread that way. And then you have runners and stolons or stolons however you want to pronounce it and a lot of the same types of plants will do both and basically runners are horizontal stems that go across the top i'm sorry that yeah they're they're above the ground the runners are the stolons go below the soil and pop up um usually like like your, a lot of your berries will do both. They'll run either across the top or below. Because what you'll see, the one when a runner goes across the top, it'll actually shoot down roots from it and 
like plant roots from yeah. the runner down into the ground, but then the stolons will go under the ground and you'll see like things pop up. You'll see a whole nother plant pop up two, three feet away from your plant. That's because like a stolen went under the ground. Peppermint. Peppermint. Or even things like, you know, berries, you know, raspberries, blackberries yes. will do that too. They'll yeah. go above and below the ground yep. with the runners and stolons. So uh, they'll do both actually. Um, so, yeah, some yeah, of these yeah. things have a couple of things going. Some plants do a couple of Yeah, these. yeah. A lot of them have, and then like the next thing, rhizomes. Rhizomes are stems that also grow under the soil's surface. Um, and and they can be divided uh, by cutting like the parent plant. Kind of like you pull apart a crown. You just kind of pull it apart and it right. will bring parts of that, the sections of that rhizome with it. And again, some plants can have both tubers and rhizomes, crowns and rhizomes. Um, I mean, you, you, they'll have multiple things, multiple ways they divide. Um, I, one I'm thinking of that made the list is the Jerusalem artichokes. It's got both tubers yes, and rhizomes sure. and they'll yeah. divide and you'll get p pieces of both when you divide them. Um, so yeah, that's how. Yeah, it, and if you pull one up and you leave part of it in the ground there, that, that it will grow back. <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> so those are just kind of the basics. I, I'll have a little bit more detail in the show notes if you want to go read a little bit more about kind of what those are more definition types i have a little bit more of that in the show notes but that's just kind of general overview definition of what those things are because that's what you're going to be dealing with mostly when you're talking about perennials that divide um and you don't even have to know what they are because a lot of times they all divide kind of the same way you dig it up and you pull them apart yeah. and you don't even really know what's what but we i just thought it's nice to kind of know what you're dealing with there um when you're when you're well, pulling sometimes it's helpful to know even with weeds because because certain weeds, if a weed, there's a few that are rhizomes. If you keep pulling them, all you're doing yeah. is making your. And there's a lot worse. of there's a lot of uh, like grasses and things that have like runners and stolons yes. and things like that. And if you cut them, it's like a whole other plant grows. Right. So it I is. Think you're of, right. Um, oh, what is it? It's a. I'll think of it. Morning glory is a horrible weed here that has rhizomes. Yes. And, and if and you pull it, you're just making your breaking them worse. off and you're creating yep. more plants. And yeah, it's horrible here. I mean, it that's just, what I was thinking is it's part of the lily family bindweed. Bindweed. Yep. It's yep. the same thing. It's a rhizome. So if you pull it, it just yep. makes more babies. So yes, yeah, right. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really difficult to get rid of. I know, I know morning glory has been my bad weed for the last couple of years here. Um, weed was I never planted it on this property and it just ended up here for somebody else, obviously, because they put out so many seeds. Like when that plant dies back, you'll see them seed pods are just thick on those things. It's, it's unreal. Yeah. And once they got established on my property, I can't, it's very hard to get rid of them. I can't get rid of them. Really. I've been trying for it a couple is really, of years really now. hard. Yeah. yeah. I, the bindweed problem has been going on here for psh, it's a constant battle. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it is for morning glories here. Um, now, let's just jump into a few perennials of these types that you can add to your homestead. Uh, my favorite and what I talk about all the time is Russian comfrey. I love Russian comfrey. I've done whole episodes on uh, Bocking 14 and 4 comfrey, which is your Russian varieties, yeah. uh, hybrid varieties. Um, the growing zones for these are three through nine. I find that people do struggle to grow it on either one of those extremities, like the three or the nine. Um, I used to think, man, this stuff is just, you can't not grow it. Right. But then I hear people that are in those more extreme climates on either end of that spectrum that actually do have a hard time growing it. It will grow, but they have to like find the perfect location for it. I feel like I could put it anywhere on my property in any situation yeah. and it would thrive. Um, but I guess that's not the case for everyone. Um, it, 
has a crown, a clump, a crown, and you just break it. I mean, um, that's what's great. You just I dig up the clump and you yeah. just pull it apart or you can take, I can take my hoary hoary knife, and kind of chop it in sections or whatever. Or you can even just chop the roots up and separate it by root. But as far as just dividing the, if you want the crown, it grows the quickest from the crown. And I literally plant it. And in a couple of weeks, I got another comfrey plant. It's that quick and that easy to it's really divide it. simple to, and yeah. I'll get into some of the benefits. We can get into some of the benefits of some of these. But if you want to hear about the benefits of comfrey, I'll link to blog posts and podcasts I've done on comfrey. And I talk about like 10 benefits. I mean, just a quick overview. I mean, it's great pollinator plants, a great mulch plant. It's a dynamic accumulator, medicinal benefits. It has... Um, livestock feed benefits i mean it's just goes on and on with comfrey yeah, it's just i think that's a worthwhile plant every garden should have it <laughs> you should have a few plants anyway yeah. just just for the experience of it but yeah and why i say russian comfrey rather than common comfrey is because it has sterile seeds i it can tell you stories and it will not <laughs> spread by seed you have to pretty much manually separate it to get it to right. spread which is what you want i think unless I say that, but then there are situations there are where people that do want if you have a you know, field that you're grazing or something and you want it to spread yeah. and be a food. Yeah, there's a, there's a purpose for that, a reason for that. But small homestead, you probably want the Russian varieties. Yeah, you you do not probably, you do not want it at an urban homestead. Right. Um, Daylilies. Yeah, I was interested that you put this in here because most people don't think of that as like an edible they're so pretty. I used to not. And then I started yeah. eating them. And then they're it was yummy. really, really and good. They're so pretty. I know. Uh, however, though, uh, well, we'll get to them here. The growing zones on these are two through 11. I mean, wide range of growing zones. That's pretty huge. That's yeah. Pretty huge. Um, I was kind of surprised by that, actually. I was like, wow, really? <laughs> Don't grow that high up? I was like, well, that's crazy. Maybe it wasn't accurate or whatever, but that's what it said in a couple places I looked. Um, they have now, daylilies are different than. Regular lilies. Yeah. Regular lilies actually have bulbs. Yeah. Um, day lilies actually have tubers. Um, they're actually stem tubers, kind of like a sweet potato. And what's fascinating about those is those are actually edible. Now, I say this with some care because there are some lilies yeah. that aren't edible, that are toxic. Know what you got. Know that they're sure. edible before you try with, to eat them. With um, all plants, but yes. All plants, yeah. Don't put anything in your mouth unless you know. Uh, but there are some lilies that aren't edible. So just be aware of that. Do your homework on what you have before you try to eat them. Ones I have have edible flowers, and I'd eat the flowers. Um, yeah. I've never ate the tubers. I just ate the flowers. I haven't either. And I, in doing a little bit of homework for this episode, I started running across all these people saying they're the best tubers they've ever ate. They're like better than potatoes. They're like the best tubers they've ever eaten. Really? And there are all these recipes for these daylily tubers. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to be digging up some plants here real soon, I think. And because uh, those things, that is the thing about daylilies. They are the hardiest. It's the only plant on my property that will outgrow comfrey. They like, will take are, over comfrey. It's oh, crazy. yeah, they can be invasive, too. We they have can. so many that yep. we keep T- taking them out and yep, you have to i'm like well i guess they we're going to be eat, we're going to be trying some tubers too because we they will take crawl in your year. walkways they will i mean they are crazy we um, have them everywhere but yeah. if that's fine for you and you got a, a location where you can kind of put them away from things and they're not going to take over things they're great i mean they're beautiful for one thing they draw in they, they attract pollinators super hardy 
and they're edible. I guess even I guess the entire plant, if it's an edible type, is is edible. Like even the stems, but I hear they're not as good. But the flower, I've eaten the flowers. Well, and they're low maintenance. We do really almost nothing to others other than nothing. we thin them out. We thin them out. Yeah. You have to kind of, if you don't want them taking over an area, you got to keep them thinned out. I yeah. a little quick story. I had some, I think I probably mentioned this before, but I had some planted, like my greenhouse is here. And then I have like about a four foot wide gravel walkway all the way around my greenhouse, around the whole side of my greenhouse. There are daylilies planted across that walkway four feet away <laughs> from the greenhouse and when i was digging out the aquaponics tank uh, pond in my greenhouse to have my aquaponics in there i'm digging down and i'm digging up daylily tubers that had went four feet under that walkway and were popping up in the greenhouse yeah. i was amazed yeah, i was like this is crazy i mean it's just i yeah. mean they they are really aggressive really aggressive but that's but man, hard to always look at an, an edible plant as right. a bad thing, even if it's aggressive, you know, so the, the birds and the bees that though, just love them. Yeah. They love those flowers and, and they are beautiful. I mean, I've got the, the tiger lily variety. A day lily I have those too. Really and pretty. I have the day lilies, which yep, the regular, like the yellow ones. Yeah. That are yellow. Yeah. And then we have the tiger lilies. And then I bought another one last year was red. Cause I was tired of uh, my yards, a lot of orange and yellow. So I bought one last year. I can't remember the name of it, but it's a red variety. Yeah. But like I said, there are some of those varieties that aren't edible. So right. if you don't know what you have, don't eat them. Yep. Unless you can figure it out for sure. 100%. Don't eat them. You want to take the next one? Goldenrod. I'm interested. I mean, I was excited to see this on here because I love goldenrod. I yeah. actually have been using it throughout my sickness because it's it can be... The flowers can be used in teas. Yeah. For um, a lot of people confuse golden goldenrod with ragweed because yes. it the, the it looks somewhat similar. It really, you can't. But I think they just look at that flower and it looks like something that would flare up allergies. Right. Yep. Um, and they often bloom at the same time and kind yes, of grow in the same yeah. areas. Right. They're they're kind of common to the same areas. Yeah. But again, it's a plant that'll grow in zones two through eight. I mean, this is a plant with a wide variety of growing area. Um, it has bulbs in a clump and rhizomes. So um, you just kind of pull it apart from that. You'll kind of get to dig up this root ball and kind of just pull it apart. But yeah. the benefits. Wow. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, the med medicine grows business. wild here. So, yeah. I mean, we have tons of it out of our property. So I don't grow it on purpose here at right. home, though. I have started growing a lot more medicinals in my gardens on purpose. It really, and it's pretty easy to collect. And um, again, it, the the bees, the pollinators love it. Um, it's I think it's pretty. Some people think of it as a weed, but it's yellow and yeah, kind of feathery looking when it's and, in bloom. And, and I've always <laughs> knew it was medicinal purposes, but I didn't know it was actually edible. Like people actually eat the flowers of it. Like I can put them in salads or something. I'm like, oh, I never did that. I've never, never tried that, but I tried I that. And they make teas out of it, like uh, the goldenrod teas. That's what I've been doing. But then I, I was reading about cosmetics. Like people make cosmetics <laughs> out of the flowers, which I thought was interesting too. So what is that? Like the yellow coloring? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really up on my cosmetics, but yeah, I was reading about it a little bit uh, about the I'm cosmetics that, up. that it's used for that. So interesting, anyway. So it's a useful well, I plant. Know it's got some purposes. Like I know some herbs are used like as astringents to like wash your face and stuff. So a lot of these you can use to color things. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if that maybe that's what it was mostly for was the, uh, 
the coloring of it or if it was actually just more of a a health benefit to cosmetics maybe or something i don't know but, so this next one yarrow yeah we've talked about that I, quite a bit i actually am growing several different colors this year i'm starting some because i'm formulating my fruit tree guilds yeah and i wanted it in there and um so I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it. Are you just growing the yellow variety? I just have the yellow. Yeah, that's all I've, I've ever read. That that one's the most yeah beneficial one. Yeah, and I've only actually had it for a couple of years on the property. Same. And I've I've got it in one bed, and I've started working it into the last year. I put a couple plants around in a couple of my around my apple trees, particularly. I put them in my apple right. tree yep. guilds. Yeah. That's where I was wanting to put them was in my apple tree guilds, and it and it also has some medicinal properties. Yeah. Which for some reason, I cannot remember what they are at the moment, but it was <laughs> your addition. So maybe you remember. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I just know it has a lot of medicinal. People can dig into their homework on that and see what all you can use it for. But it does, it is a pretty common plant for its medicinal purposes, grows in zones three through nine. So most listeners of this podcast are probably going to be able to grow it. Um, it's a dynamic accumulator, which is fascinating, kind of like comfrey. That is um, cool. Yeah, and it attracts pollinators and other beneficial insects like um, predatory wasps and things like that, ladybugs. Oh, nice. It, it, it brings in a few other insects as well. So it's just a great plant. That's why it's really, really good. And I hear especially in apple tree guilds. It's like one that a lot of people yeah, like to add to their reading. apple tree guilds. So Yeah, I think it had, if I'm remembering properly, but people. People will have to look it up. It had something to do with not only it attracted bugs and stuff that were helpful to the tree. Yeah. And right. helping battle. Well, I mean, just bringing in, say, issues. ladybugs, of course, that can take care yeah. of aphids. And then you got your predatory wasps, which take care of a lot of, of your caterpillars that do damage to, uh, right. to yes. fruit trees and things. So, Especially yeah. apple trees. Yeah. So it's really good for that. And it separates in a crown kind of like all these other plants we're talking about it just pulls apart you let it grow let it establish it's one you don't want to over divide because you can hurt this plant if you try to over divide it you do want to wait till it's well established and healthy before you start trying to divide it but uh i i hear like uh like three years like every three years you can divide it i think is why i was reading that it's pretty healthy to do that for the plant even to kind of divide it and separate it and get it and kind of thin it out a little bit um so, yeah, it's one that you can definitely add and expand on your, your homestead, just starting with a few plants. So, lamb's ear. You ever growing lamb's ear? I've never grown it purposefully, but it grows here. Does it grow there? See, I've, I've actually yeah. grown it in some pots here. I didn't plant it directly in the ground, which I wish I would have because, like I said, I didn't really maintain it in the pots. So, it didn't okay. turn into a perennial on my property. Um, but I do want to add it as a perennial on my property because it is a beautiful leafy plant i mean it's just it's it's a really pretty yeah. plant and uh it has that crown clump and it will expand and you can kind of just pull it apart and expand it and it's a great ground cover it has medicinal purposes mm -hmm. grows in grow zones four through nine so nice nice little uh area there it'll it'll grow in and everybody's always fascinated by the traditional use <laughs> of lamb's ear and that as as toilet paper <laughs> that's like the winner for for you know 2020s yeah right <laughs> i mean it, it, it traditionally it was it was used that way people would grow it and use it as toilet paper because it's a really soft. super soft leaf and it's uh and it's just a pretty uh it's a pretty plant 
And like I said, it's just a, it's a great one to have around. I don't know what the medicinal purpose is. I was reading a little bit about it. I didn't get into it. I probably should have got into more on the medicinal. I just put down these plants for medicinal because they do have uh, medicinal right. qualities, but I'm not real sure what all of them are. Um, but right. Well, and it's always best for people that. to do that. Yeah. Research. Dive into that yourself and kind of learn more about that. And then the next one I grow tons of around here because once you establish it, you're going to have tons of it around your place, right? Cat mint. Um, I don't grow that one. I'm going to have to. Really? My yeah. daughter actually bought me some of that in a in a pot one time and I planted it in my garden. And now I have several clumps of it around my homestead. <laughs> right? But it's great. I love it. It's beautiful plant. It's got real pretty flowers on it. Um, it gets a it's like it just turns into a big bush. And it looks really nice. And then you can just divide that bush up. Matter of fact, last year, I have two uh, guilds I planted kind of in the front of my property. Um, and I put one in each one of those guilds up there last year. And they just creates a really beautiful clump. And it doesn't spread like like spearmint, for example. It doesn't just right. like take over oh, yeah. like that. It kind of stays in a clump. Now, it will put off seeds, I guess, and kind of expand that way. Well, that's good. It's not quite as invasive. But it doesn't seem as invasive. I've had to manually move it. Uh, okay. you know, divide it and put it where I wanted it. And it just makes like a bush, like a, like this uh, real pretty bush. And it's, it's a beautiful plant. Um, growing zones three through eight. Um, it's very tolerant. Like I don't water it. I don't care for it. I don't do anything for it. It just grows. It does well. Um, when you divide it, it takes off really well. It doesn't need really help or anything. Um, it is edible you can use it for like teas and things like that. Um, it attracts some pollinators and it deters, I think more, more importantly, it deters a lot of pests because it's in the mint family and it will deter a lot of things. So yeah, it's I good. Think, and even more so, I think it's more of a masking yeah. plant. Um, it will hide the sense of the things around it that will draw in bugs, which is probably even better. Yeah. I think we often skip over that as an important part of having plants is also to deter the mm-hmm. insects or mask right things yeah, yeah right so it's one that works really well for that um bee balm is another one um yeah <laughs> and it's a it's in the mint family as well so anything in the mint family obviously does really well now this grows by rhizome so this will spread on its own yep so it is one that you want to try to maybe control or it, it might be good to grow in pots and then just multiply it to other pots and put it in another pot and divide it and keep growing it in pots maybe. But it will grow perennial in a perennial way from zones three through nine. Um, so that's really good. But if you have an area away from things, you just want to let it go crazy, it it will. Smells great. Um, yeah. It does have culinary uses. It has medicinal uses. It attracts pollinators because it's a mint. I think it does some deterring of pests as well, masking and things like that. Just a great plant, a pretty plant to have on your property. I've been growing that one, man, from the beginning. I I, I think I just bought, I think it was at a farmer's market um, back when I first started, you know, like 10 years ago or something, you know, uh, years ago. And I picked up, somebody had some growing in a little, you know, they were just had some seed starts of some herbs. And um, I picked up a one or two of those plopped them in a pot and I've been growing it ever since. And I have some kind of here and there, um, doing pretty well. Yeah, so. We killed ours two years ago, so I'm trying to start it again. I, I killed it. It's pretty hard to kill them, but we actually dug it up and ran it over with the tractor on accident thinking it was something else. So <laughs> <laughs> that will kill it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's, I, I love it. And I'm, I love it so much that I'm growing, I'm starting several this year. Yeah. Hopefully. 
One that most people are common with that you can divide the clump on is rhubarb. And it's a very beneficial plant, yes. not just because of the edible stalks, but it actually has a lot of other purposes as well. It'll grow it in sure zones does. three through eight. It does create a crown, but that crown, mm -hmm. I guess, is made up of rhizomes. It's a rhizome um, plant. Um, yeah. The stalks are great. I'm a rhubarb fan. I could just sit and eat raw rhubarb stalks. I love really? it. Really? Raw. Love it. Love it. Wow. But it's really good in a pie. It's like my favorite pie is strawberry rhubarb pie. It's I love, so I grow rhubarb because strawberries, when I was picking strawberries somewhere else, it's really expensive to get organic strawberries. So when you mix the strawberry rhubarb, you get a little bit more out of your <laughs> fruit. But um, we, I love it because it's pretty. It is. It's really nice. Beautiful. Got them gigantic leaves. It's just a. It's just a really pretty plant to have in your garden. So I really like using it in guilds as well because it's a dynamic accumulator. So you're eating the stalks, but you can't eat the leaves. Are actually toxic. So yeah. you can break the leaves off, throw them down, let them just be a good mulch yep. cover, a chop and drop for your garden, and they work well um, for that. And they're like I said, huge leaves, so they actually create huge. a good amount of ground cover as well, which helps just kind of keep grass and things like that out of your your gills right out of your garden around your edges or whatever great plant gets huge i mean there's people i've seen some gigantic rhubarb have you seen plant. that picture of me holding the leaf it's literally mine oh, i don't get, think i have seen that mine get my my rhubarb gets like some like two to three feet tall people have asked <laughs> me what variety i have i have no idea somebody gave me some years yeah. ago and we just and, keep dividing it and that's a great thing about rhubarb people divide it and you just get a free start of a yeah. big rhubarb yeah clump, i have no know? idea and, but my leaves get huge just huge it's crazy but yeah. i do that i chop and drop it but i've i have not done this but you can make um an insecticide out of the leaves really yeah i think yeah. i have read that before maybe i've even but mentioned that before i tend yeah. to not use a lot of that even if it's natural it's a good ch chop and drop i just like yeah. just dropping around things because it's like and so, i have so mine big. by my apple trees <laughs> do you okay yep mine are by my yeah. apple trees well and we keep we kind of treat them a little bit like hostas now too where we grow them just because they're pretty you find it does pretty well in like a uh, partial shade as well Mine is in partial shade. Yeah, underneath. I think so. It's a so good I, one for partial shade. Yeah. Mine's kind of, it's got a hibiscus tree on one side mm -hmm. and the apple tree on another side. Or hibiscus. I don't know if it's a tree or bush, but it gets tall enough to be a tree. But it grows right in there and it does fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, I've seen it grown in, in shady areas a lot. And mine's the greenish red. Some of them are really red stalks. Mine yeah. Are greenish red. Whatever yeah, there's some different the stocks uh, get huge. They're like, oh, yeah. You once you get it really well established and it gets really healthy after a few years, and it will give you so much. One plant will give you yeah. so oh, many yeah. stalks. I mean, you can eat on it all summer. I give it away every year because we get so much. But the other thing, too, is at least here, we do nothing to it. We literally, it doesn't. And what's good is. Yeah, especially if you have a dry season or whatever. And then the leaves are so good at shading the ground that it will help with moisture retention for its own self. I mean, I mean, it does for other plants around it as well. But, I mean, it really just helps keep the ground moist and, you know, free of weeds around that plant itself. So, I mean, it, it kind of cares for itself in that way. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I like one. it. I had to mention asparagus in this list, even though it yeah. seems like a kind of no-brainer. I mean, it's just, you know, you plant it, it's a crown, so you can separate it and, you know, and grow it that way um zones two through 11 just a long-term edible perennial i mean what is it 25 years it'll I grow something so. like that yeah uh, maybe longer i think maybe even longer i don't know probably um, if you cared 
for it. Yeah, especially if you're dividing yes. it and, and expanding yeah. it. I would say it would go a lot longer. Um, it's just a great, great plant to have. I mean, it, it, who doesn't like? I mean, I guess there are people who don't like asparagus, but I love it. Right. And um, and it's it's that ferny plant, you know, and it looks good. I mean, it gets a little wild looking. You know, so it's kind of nice to have an yeah, area for when it. it goes to seed. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty it gets pretty wild looking. Um, but yeah, it's a great one to have. I you know, the uh, the shoots when they first start coming up, you have to establish it for a few years and then you can start eating from it. But once it gets established, it's just you, you know, have it for, you know, maybe the rest of your life if you care for it and uh and have some nice beds of it. And it's yeah, just a I great one to have on your property. You're gonna be hearing about this one from me because I bought um I brought I think 50 cr- crowns. Did you? It. Yeah. To plant this year out at our property because we love asparagus. I don't have a big plot of it. I just have a little plot of it, but I actually started it from seed several years ago. Yeah. I have some here in a big pot that I started yeah. from seed. Yeah. Last year, I'd was like my to first expand year, I that. Got just a little tiny, skinny asparagus. Yeah. I'd like to have a bigger bed of it. Um, but when you're limited on space, it's one of them plants when it does go to see when it gets big, when it ferns up and gets yeah. big, it's a big plant. It takes up a lot of it's, space and it can shade like out what, things around four it. Four feet. Probably, yeah. And it'll shade inch. out things around it pretty good. So it's like you kind of have to have its own little private space, really. Um, right. And well, it and it's there. permanent. So yeah, it stays it's in there, that space. Yeah. Wherever you put it, that's where it's at. So, yeah, it, but it's a great one, and I think everybody should try to have at least, a, if nothing else, just like a big planter of it or something. I don't know, just some, mm-hmm. you know, have have some growing on your property. It's really beneficial. Um, of course, we can't mention, you know, these type of plants without thinking about strawberries, right? Right. <laughs> um, and you can have a nice little strawberry patch and forever expand off of that. They send out runners. They actually send out runners so well. I have them popping up in my gravel walkway around my around my strawberry patch i have one of those strawberry planters that's ceramic with the several holes my daughter made it in pottery class i had that send out a runner and actually plant a runner in another pot nearby (laughs) yeah that's and they do they the runners go down they'll send down roots and it'll establish a whole nother bed even i mean i i've had them jump over you know, pretty big areas and spread out. It's a kind of an amazing plant, really. Because most people don't let it go like that. You know, everybody kind of contains them or whatever. But they they will spread, and you can spread. Yes. You can take them and spread them. And as soon as they establish, get some roots, take them and put them where you want them. Um, and you do have to. I find when I'm maintaining uh, strawberries, it's actually good to take your older ones and get them out of there and let the new ones yeah. kind of plant because they'll actually produce a lot more fruit. The younger ones will. So I kind of always thin mine out, look for dead kind of ones that are starting to die or whatever and pull them out. And I've actually turned runners and kind of kind of kept them turned back into the bed a little bit, you know? Yeah. And, um, kind of working I've around. seen where um, people use a method where they have a plant that's putting out runners and they put a bunch of little pots around it and they put the runners in there until they get <laughs> roots on them and then they cut those and plant nice. them somewhere Yeah, else. that would work really well. And then you can just take those and plant them where you want them to start other beds. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's I think... These are a great one if you want to add a few plants to a guild because they're a nice little low ground cover plant, fruiting plant that, you know, um, do well around things and with other things. There's a few, there's a few things they don't companion plant with well, but most things they do. Um, Yeah, they're just a great, great thing to spread around your homestead. And if you start with like a small patch, you can expand that into several small or larger patches from just a few plants over some time. So it's one companion plant really well with the one we just talked about, which is asparagus. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, I 
love my berries. You know, I like the, it's kind of like the, the the candy Yummy. factory of the homestead, right? You got to have all the berries. Uh, at least my grandson sure seeks them out and finds them all and eats them and he like, like their candy. Um, I'll just kind of lump the, the, these next three together. I'll put raspberry, blackberry, and goji berry. They all kind of operate the same way. They send out yeah. runners or stolons, um, either above or below ground. Now, goji berry is pretty much just runners. Um, well, no, I think they do go under the ground too, but they actually look like just stems that kind of went under the ground directly. Yeah, they do look like I'm that. not so sure if those are considered stolons or not. But anyway, they all just send out and then you get plants popping up and you get roots off all those stems. And I mean, it just, it, you know, blackberries, we see raspberries zones three through 10, blackberries four through eight, goji berry five through nine. I mean, a wide range of growing areas here yeah. for these plants and they're just super beneficial to have on your property they're going to expand they're going to provide a lot of food for you they have of course culinary benefits and even some medicinal benefits a lot of people drink use the leaves to create yes, teas and things leaves. that have some uh some medicinal um properties highly yeah, nutritious yeah, very nutritious. Yeah. All all these berries are really nutritious for you. Antioxidants, things like that, really healthy for you. Um, and are just delicious. Who doesn't like berries, right? <laughs> so they're they're three that I, I I think are worth having. And, and most people would think of those, you know. But what I like about most about them is they're just so stinking hardy. They don't take a lot of care. That's they're my so favorite easy. part about them, a lot of these. Yeah. One of these plants and create over the next three or four years, hundreds of these plants in three or four right. years and just spread them all over your property and um, careful where you plant them, especially with the goji yes. berry. I always mention that make sure you have it in a place you want it because they get big and they will try to take over the world. <laughs> so, and, but I tell you what, yes. uh, blackberries, uh, I, I've had blackberries go pretty crazy too. So, and uh, well, I we didn't have make wild list, blackberries. But, Those are a different monster. Yeah, I have, I didn't even put these on the list, but, I've got some Josta berries that I planted last year and this year, those things are going crazy. They look like they've expanded about tenfold. Interesting. As far as like growing out and they've sent out, obviously they've sent out some stolons or rhizomes. I don't even know what the deal is with those. I imagine it's probably stolons and they're popping up all around it. And it's just huge. I'm going to have to do some thinning out on them because I actually got them in some guilds and it looks like they could probably take over the area if I didn't kind of wow. control them a little bit. So I wasn't really sure. Again, I've got this bad habit of planting before I do my research. <laughs> I <think all laughs> and then I end up with like a little bit of a nightmare sometimes. Um, so yeah, evidently these things get pretty big and pretty wild. I mean, I'm going to have to uh, definitely uh, do a little homework on them and see. I was just out there looking for them before we started this podcast. <laughs> about, I was like, whoa, those things went a little crazy. So um, yeah, I'm going to have to make some changes there, I think. But yeah, that was another one too. And the next one is one I just planted that I've talked about, but I know right. almost nothing about. And that's water, ch Chinese water chestnut growing zones nine through 11. Of course, I'm in, you know, five B. Yeah, you're not in that, a, but you have yours in your. But I have mine in my greenhouse in an aquaponic system. So I'm going to try to make them work there year round if I can. We're going to see. I don't know. Um, these spread by corms. I mentioned that earlier. They, they, it looks like a bulb, but it's not a bulb and it puts off and each with these, each corm is a, is basically the part you eat on these. And then you obviously have to save some back 
to replant right. if you're going to if you're going to take them out. Now, see, here's the thing: if you're not in those growing zones, you can remove them, refrigerate them, and save them. Save them and put them back in in the spring. Um, so there's ways you can grow them, but if right. you want to grow them as a perennial, nine to eleven, or you have to create a microclimate like a greenhouse. Um, so, but anyway, they spread by corms benefits from my understand they are just crazy prolific like like nothing outdoes them period like they go crazy i hear and mm. highly nutritious so it's a really i guess if you can get them established they produce a lot of food for you well again i'm excited to hear what you do with these yeah i'm excited too and i hope they don't all die because be but you know <laughs> what it happens it happens <laughs> well we all have experiments going you know after you've been gardening for a while you do start to do some experiments i have some yeah. of my own going on so if you don't it gets boring right you have to right? yeah. i'll let you talk about the next one you've grown them and i've grown them i have jerusalem artichokes um those grow from zones three to eight and they are a tuber or a rhizome um it's kind of like with rhizomes, if they break when you're trying to remove yeah. them from the ground, you've made another baby. Yep. And um, but the tuber on these can get fairly big, and they're kind of like people use them as a potato substitute. But they also have a really pretty yellow, or mine are yellow. The flowers that come off the top. Yeah. What is it they contain yeah. that is can give you? It causes people to get gassy, basically. Cause some inulin, the inulin. Inulin, yeah. Inulin? It causes. I might it be saying the word wrong. Inulin or inulin. It's the same thing that chicory has. It yeah, can get, make yeah. you a little so bit it, it gassy. Can cause, yeah, some people yeah. it affects, some people it doesn't. It's but, like a prebiotic. And some people say if you ferment the tubers, it helps with that. Yeah. I haven't tried that yet. I'm going to try I have, it. We have ate them uh, fermented. Yeah. And did, did it help her? I yeah. think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. But they're prolific. They just, they're prolific. And animals can eat them too. So a lot of people will plant them. In fields and pigs will go through and eat them and yep. they attract a lot of pollinators, like I said, because they get, mine get pretty tall. I think part of it is they're more in a shady spot. So mine will get between five and seven feet. They're tall. in the sunflower family. So they have, they yeah. look a little like yep. a sunflower. They're just a small, yep. like a small a sunflower. Smaller head. Yep. Yeah. So they attract a lot of things. Yeah. They're super easy to grow. They're super easy to divide. Again, all you have to do and is have that tuber. They're kind of considered like this ultimate prepper food because once you plant yeah. them and they're established it's like you got food year round you're like you just don't have to restore them you can actually just go out in the winter time and dig them up and yeah. and eat them i mean people do that if the ground isn't completely frozen they can go out and dig them up in the middle of winter and have the tubers and let them just kind of store out there and yep. people consider them like a prepper food um well and, and again and, it's another one of those where wherever you put it make sure you want it yep. because you're probably never going to get it back out <laughs> but i guess they're a pretty high calorie um, food. Yeah, too, I'm so, not sure. Yeah. We like, but like I said, wherever you plant them, they will. Because ours have traveled under a retaining wall <laughs> and out into a pat walkway. Yep, I have no. Even though I thought I had them contained, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, wherever you put them, but they're really pretty. They're edible. Um, so the re how how I got rid of them. I mean, I had them at one point, but how I got rid of them. Was I mean I didn't purposely get rid of them. I just but I built where I had them. I built a my rabbitry over the top of. Um, I actually put a roof over it that area. No so of course yeah. I didn't, you know and I didn't worry about transplanting. There's probably tubers in the ground in that rabbitry under in the, in the dormant. You know, yeah, yeah, just dormant back there. I could probably dig them up and plant them somewhere else. I wouldn't doubt. But yeah, 
that's I had them for a while. I need to I need to get some more going because I did like them, but I really kind of struggle with where I would put them, um, where I could kind of control them and they wouldn't be in the way. It's kind of how I feel about like the asparagus. You know, it's like I want them, but when you're limited on space, you kind of got it. These are a big plant. They take up a lot of space. They can spread really easy. So you kind of got to be careful where you put them. So it's kind of one of those things for me. That's why we've never had asparagus here because our options are so limited on a small piece of property. I don't didn't have a permanent place to dedicate for 25 years. <laughs> yeah. Now you added this next one, um, Russian sage. Now is that different I than did. just like regular sage or what's? It is. It looks a lot. I don't even. I grow sage, really even but sure I didn't. I don't why know. it's called sage? Because it's the flowers that are edible. Okay. Yeah, I don't this. grow this. Yeah. And they grow really tall. They look a lot like, say, a lavender, but they're. Uh. Um, quite a bit taller they get like three to four feet depending on the variety there's a few varieties i think there's three varieties but they grow from zone four to nine and they they have runners but they actually divide better from the crown yeah and they um they say that it's better to divide them like every five to six years just to keep the plant healthier and um but the plant is part of the mint family even though it says sage, you know how they use these words sometimes. Yeah, it's when they name things. Yep. So it can be a little bit um, like mint is. It can be a little bit invasive. Okay. But um, but yeah, it's the it's the flower that is edible, and people also use it for dye. Okay. For like how do you eat the flower? Do you just eat like it raw, or do you cook it? Or you can you eat it raw. Okay. Or you can cook it. But people put a lot of times nice. people put it in salads, um, and it attracts pollinators. The so and I didn't really get into a lot of the medicinal just because. Yeah, we. That's kind of. No. I just, if it does have medicinal qualities, I just put it down does medicinal. have some. Yeah. So you're but, gonna have to look it up. But, yeah. Um, How big does that get? Is, is it like it a gets pretty wide tall? It gets tall? like. Tall? Does it get wide four. also? Or? It will. Okay. Yeah. So okay. wherever you put it, it looks a lot like a lavender plant. In fact, many oh, years okay. ago, I'm realizing many years ago, I was at somebody's house, and they didn't. Somebody, the person before them, had planted things and i thought it was lavender and i'm like where did you get such huge lavender and now i'm realizing it was the russian sage not exactly it's got those olive colored green leaves and yeah and it's the flowers that are edible and they grow off of last year's wood so or not last year's wood i might be getting that wrong you prune them back in the spring and that's so, when where the blooms will come off Nice. I'll look into that a little bit more. That sounds interesting. I'm going to be looking into it to grow some because I like that idea. Yeah. That sounds and I love the um, some taller plants mm-hmm. for stuff like that, especially like a, a guild I, or something. Yeah. I love the tall plants too. I mean, it just, it just separates things because we have some of these low, you know, under two feet plants that, yes. you know, it is nice to get that vertical uh, thing going right. on in your garden just or sporadically it just it, it really just changes the whole look of your garden i like to low yeah, tall low a, tall um, I mean, have it all over the place there's one breed that grows a little bit stiffer and a little bit shorter and they say that one might be the one you would want to plant the other ones you might have to prop up a little bit because they might they get so tall they kind of kind of trellis them up a little bit huh or something yeah nice yeah. so okay. and then yeah. another one i added was horseradish to this yeah <clears throat> i used some horseradish when I was, I tried everything when I was busy coughing the last few weeks. So <laughs> I tried some horseradish even, but, um, horseradish is a perennial and 
it is one of those perennials that people also say once you get it, it's pretty hard to kill. Mm-hmm. And that grows from zones three to 10. And it's a crown, but it's just this big, huge root that gets real big and thick. And um, yeah, what my experience is though, when you separate it though, it has these like long roots in the crown that kind of grow down to the, the big root. And you can kind of pull those apart and establish a whole new plant off the crown. Yeah. Is that how yeah, you kind of seen it? Yeah. That's how I've seen it done too. Yeah. And um, it's just a great, lots of people like it culinary. A little goes a long way, but um, people like to use it for culinary. You know, a lot of um, sauces and stuff have a little bit of horseradish yeah. in them. And then as a repellent for animals, which you can understand why, because it's definitely a strong Yeah, definitely smell. strong. So it, yeah. it can be used as a repellent for I would say animals. you either like it or you hate it. There's probably no in between. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I like a little here and there. Yeah. You have to go little. Yeah. Because you can't yeah, go a very lot. Little. Like a lot of people yeah. will use it in a shrimp sauce with like a tomato yeah. base, um, you know. Did not help me stop coughing. So in other words, you don't have to grow a lot of it, but if you want a lot of it, it's a pretty plant too. I think it's a pretty plant. It is pretty. So the it's part nice that's above it, it, ground it, is real pretty. Yeah, it's good to have it. And it's one that, you know, you could just put here and there and mm-hmm. just, it just makes a nice little different look to your garden here and there. It's just a nice one to add into a guild here or right. just in maybe in a pot over there or whatever. I mean, you could just kind of, you could use it in different ways as far as the layout, landscaping of your property. Yeah. If- all you ever use it is just as a deterrent, especially for some of these things like rabbits and deer that can yeah. just decimate trees and fruit guilds. Yeah. Yeah. It, I feel like it's worth it to divide it and put it into your mm-hmm. guilds. And the then, next one um, you added on here, I, I've never grown before. So um, I have grown it. And then um, I let the chickens get the chi- our chickens killed it. <laughs> wormwood. Wormwood. And I, so that was one that I had never heard of before, but when I was watching a, um, a Paul Wheaton video, he had included it in his, his like chicken guilds and his chicken run. And, but he had it fenced out. Well, our chickens somehow got into the fence where the wormwood was, but wormwood is exactly what it says it is. And they use it a lot for helping chickens with parasites and worms. So if the chickens eat it a little bit, it helps expel that. So it's just a natural remedy that the chickens kind of know they need and they go after it, but it grows in zones four to nine. It's a crown. It's kind of like a bush, which can get bigger depending on where you're at, where we're at. It didn't get big, but it's just, it it deters insects and pests too. So nice. um, Yeah. It sounds like it'd be a really good one to have if you have some livestock to keep on yeah. hand and just have it uh, available. Um, Especially for sure. birds. And it's like, it's amazing to me how animals know sometimes they have just this innate ability to know that I need salt or I need to eat this wormwood plant today. It's, it's pretty <laughs> yeah. crazy, but they do. Yeah. So. It's kind of like, um, you know, like certain trees and things that are toxic to animals, but if they're planted in a fence row with a bunch of other trees, it's like they might nibble on it, but right. they almost hardly ever eat so much that yeah, it gets just, them sick because they yeah. don't, they know that I can't eat too much yeah. of that. You know, um, I think about like black locust, for example, it's like, it's actually got a level of toxicity for like yeah, a lot of animals and people worry about it. But then some people say, you don't have to worry about it because the animals aren't stupid and they'll just eat a little bit of it. They might nibble on it a little bit and eat a little bit of it, but they don't eat enough of it to get them sick. And in most cases, and they go, as long as there's, I think the danger is when it's all you have, 
for them to eat. Yeah. Because if they if yeah. they're starving, they will eat it, you know. And it's like if they have right. varieties, they'll eat what they need when they need it and not too much of it to cause them harm. And it's kind of interesting like that. You're right. It is amazing. We had um along our chicken run, we have this for our house anyways, it's kind of an invasive species. We have Lily of the Valley. Mm-hmm. And that stuff just goes bonkers. We're our battle in our garden is against lily of the valley and wild violets. They just encroach constantly. We're constantly <laughs> trying to dig them out. Well, the chickens had a run right next to them, and the lily of the valley is pretty toxic. The chickens never touched it, even though they could get to it. They just it. knew. Yeah, they they just never knew. touched it. They just knew. Wow. Yep. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Now, the next one you got on here, uh, I've gr- I grow, and a lot of people grow it as a just as a flower and they're probably yeah, it's co- echinacea but it's also known as like it's cone flower isn't it um yeah and people just plant it as a decorate as part of their landscaping i mean you'll see those plants all over the place people buy the seeds and just put them in there they'll put them around the front of their house or whatever and yeah, don't realize that it has a lot of benefits actually yeah the echinacea is a medicinal plant a lot of people I think people are more getting more aware of medicinals, but it's definitely a medicinal plant. But it, it grows in zones four to nine. Even here, as far north as I am, mine is perennial. So it just yeah. keeps coming back. I have the purple coneflower yep, in Asia right now. Yeah. I just started some yellow because I wanted to variety I've ever seen color. yellow. <laughs> yeah, I got it from Baker Creek. Um, but they're, they collect pollinators and they tracked birds. Um but you can just divide that again. It's a crown. You can just divide that crown. It's really hardy. I have yeah. not had any issues just dividing it. It puts out seeds too. So if you wanted to oh, establish yeah. more, it puts yeah. out quite a bit of seeds. In fact, mine's, I think, duplicated itself that it way. It might too. even be the better way to, to, to spread it other than yeah. crown. But it does yeah. separate by the crown as well. You can pull them apart yep. and replant them and... Yeah, and, so uh, they're, they to me are a great plant to have around. Um, I cannot remember what parts of it are the medicinal parts, so I'm gonna leave people yeah. to look. Yeah, that again, up, just we're putting medicinal. Well, we're not herbalists, so right. you know. And, would, and and you know, we read up on it. Says he's got these medicinal properties, but to go through the list and talk in depth about oh, it, yeah. it's just not where I'm at. But you know, I think at some point I'd like to be there. So it's great to have right. these things Both on my property. Like so when it's time to really dig in and figure out what you're looking for after the sickness I've been going through, I might be I looking know. more into herbal stuff <laughs> for sure. Uh, I took my fair share of them, but yeah. So, I mean, you know, and with us, we're both, we both desire to be more herbally minded and more naturally minded, but mm-hmm. because neither one of us are really knowledgeable and not doctors, we just, it's better if people just look up a lot of this yeah. themselves and then be proactive and careful. So <laughs> be responsible for yourself. <laughs> responsible. Yes. And and the next one is chives. I yeah. love chives. I love them. I just, they're pretty. I just think they're the cutest little plant. <laughs> I mine have like little purple, I don't know, like explosions. They look like fireworks, yeah, little balls right. on the top of them. And then um, mine are, that's one of the first things that comes up in my garden every year. In fact, that's what's up right now. One of the few things besides my garlic being up a couple inches is the chives have started to come. I up. like them in guilds just because of yeah. th- their ability to, I mean, they obviously put off a strong scent. So they right. have that same kind of like onion and garlic type 
um, quality to them where they're going right. to bring in certain things, but drive away certain things too, uh, which I like. Yeah. So. This, this whole, these plant, most of these plants just have multi-purposes. They're yeah. edible, yeah. they're medicinal, they're, they deter animals, but they also bring in certain animals. Cause these do, these deter some animals, but the bees love the flowers when they yep. flower. And, um, but they're, they're, mine are, they're the little tiny bulbs under there, but they just kind of multiply on their own over and yeah. over again. Or you can dig them up so. and relocate them and, and yep. spread them that way. That's what we're kind of talking about, the division. Yeah, so you could just interplant them all over in your garden. You could put them in your fruit tree guilds. Because um, again, I mean, I actually feel like maybe it's just because it's newer to me with the fruit trees. But I feel like fruit trees use need a little bit more care. Yeah. Than the plants have in my garden with, with right. pests and bugs and yep. worms and Feel the same way, um, mildews and just all the things that can go wrong with a fruit tree. So anything you can plant to support that, I think, is really helpful. I just like so. chives because I like to chop them up and drop them in some dishes I'm cooking up because they're really really good. <laughs> they're great on your potatoes when you grow your yes. potatoes. Yeah, I bet you. I wonder if they would be good with your Jerusalem artichokes. They might know? be. I like tossing them in some like uh, some pasta Salad. dishes and stuff and things like that. Really good. Yeah, I mean, just good good stuff. Yeah. So I mean, all these uh, I have a lot of qualities, and and we could have mentioned, and this is the, that's the conclusion of our list. But we could have mentioned there's tons oh, more. I mean, we mentioned yeah. a couple more just on accident, but there's so many great perennials that divide that you can just add right. to your homestead. And you know, um, I hear people talking about how expensive gardening is and how right. you know, it costs you a lot of money to expand and grow guilds and put in food forests and whatnot. And yeah, you might have to make it. You may not even have to make initial expenses. You might just find a buddy who's growing some of this stuff and go get a divide yeah. off of them, bring it to your homestead. You know what? There's several things on my homestead. I never purchased. I just had people give me same here. A start. My blackberries, my thornless yeah. blackberries. Somebody gave me, yeah. um, my rhubarb somebody gave me. I have so many plants. And that's the fun part about yeah. that is you can create, you can have like a exchange, like you could meet together as a group of people and exchange plants yeah. or exchange seeds, kind of like seed exchanges. But the fun part for me is I remember the for my friend that gave me the blackberries. So I always remember who those right. came from. And the person that gave me the rhubarb, I always remember. It's just yep. those memories too. So it creates yep. this community to... We have a, all this, and even before fun. I was actually homesteading for food stuff, we did that with a lot of flowers and things. You know, we'd yeah. get bulbs or whatever from other people or crown pieces of the crowns. That's I mean, how, we got like five, six varieties of hostas on this property, and every one of them came from friends. We we didn't right. buy, we never bought a hosta plant, and we've got them all over the place. You know, the lilies that are on our property, those came from an, another friend. I mean, it was just things, you know, um, that just been given to us over the years, and we and it does take a little, little bit of time because you're waiting for that stuff to get established. Then you can expand, you know, and divide it and move it. And, and, um, some things are quicker than others, but it doesn't yeah. have to be expensive. I mean, it really doesn't. I mean, that's why I love about this kind of stuff, you know, this, and I love things that you can, and we, we maybe do another list here soon on, on things that you propagate from the cuttings, you know, uh, perennials right. that you can propagate from cuttings between that and divisions of, of crowns and, you know, just, things that are putting off the seed for you that you can take and collect and move around. I mean, there's just so many ways to expand your homestead. Um, yeah. And put those in skills deals. are really yeah. um, great to develop because they save you so much money. And I'm not great at tree type stuff yet. And I would love to get more 
I would like to get better at propagating trees. Now I'm trying yeah. right now to propagate some um, mulberry. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes, but it does save a lot of money and then you sure. know you can exchange and it's super fun. Like now I can go outside it, it, those elderberries that you gave me when they sprout and I plant them. I can I'll always remember, well, I got those elderberries from Harold and <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. So, well, I, yeah, I think, I think it's a great way. And like I said, it builds friendships, even, you know, just having somebody you can swap plants with and stuff and make connections that way. And it, it's just a lot of fun and um, nothing easier. I mean, most of these things we mentioned today, you almost can't mess them up. I mean, it's just, you, you just dig, separate, replant, plant where you yeah. want them, and you got more of it. I mean, it's that easy with most of this stuff. And uh, it's just so hardy. I mean, I find these to be some of the hardiest things on they my homestead. Are. I mean, I was just looking through the list again, and I'm just like, I a lot of these, I'm not even sure I could kill them if I wanted to. Like, yeah. Yeah. Some of them are just so established. I know I can't kill yeah. the lilies. I mean, I just no way. Oh, yeah. The lilies, the day lilies my are there. <laughs> I think we, we have one rhubarb plant that we started with. We have probably divided that at least six yeah. times. At least. And if you've ever tried to start, say, rhubarb from a small crown like you buy, it's actually kind of difficult sometimes to get it going. Right. But if you take a big old chunk of crown from another established plant, takes right off. I mean, it's amazing because it's already just kind of like got its strength, you know, and it just goes. Yep. Um, so the best way to get a, a rhubarb plant going is from somebody else's huge plant. It's really the best way to do it because it really when you buy them when they're young like that, it's so, it, I find them, I've, I've tried a couple places to start a new plant like that. Nope. But I can take a divide off of an old one and pop it right there and it goes just fine. <laughs> it's crazy. Right. Yeah. So, it is crazy. So yeah. There, there you have it, folks. I think it's, you know, it's useful information. You can dig in. You can find more plants that maybe fit your homestead better. These are some great ones to have. They have great uses of all kinds. Um, I think that these will do you well to have on your homestead. And uh, you get out there and and, and plant them. And, and if you're worried about, like, how am I going to afford to expand my homestead? Well, start with plants like this. You know, start with plants right. that propagate from cuttings. Start with things like that. And you can grow your homestead every year by leaps and bounds. It's amazing. How much, like I bought two elderberry plants three years ago. Oh my word. And you just heard me say, I'm planting 40 of them. Right. Well, those all came from those initial couple plants that I bought. That's crazy. I mean, it's just in that quick, in just a couple of years, you know, you're just blowing up your place. I mean, I think last year I expanded it to like 10 or 12. And now this year I'm going to have probably, I mean, I'm going to have probably 50, over 50 plants on my property. From wow. two just three years ago. You starting an elderberry syrup company? No, but I do oh. want to grow a lot of elderberries for syrup, but I mostly want them for the cuttings to help to for other people. Right. Get established. Because yeah. I think it's just such cool. a, it's the easiest plant I know of to take cuttings off of and propagate and spread the love, you know, because they're they grow so easy and they're such a beneficial plant to have on your property. They so, are. They are. Um yeah. I mean, but this is the kind of stuff we're talking about. And I, I just think this is information people need because you need to know those kind of plants. Cause yeah, I mean, I can go out here and, you know, I can go out here and seed start every year and I'm looking like I'm, I'm in sick, you know, and I'm behind and things are going to be like a little bit late getting going with the seeds and for my annuals and things like that. But this stuff right here I talked about today, I don't have to do anything to it. It's there. Right. It's established. I do nothing. You talk about low maintenance. It don't get no easier than that. It's just provides for you every year. And yep. then if you want to expand it, you expand it. And I just love plants like that. So that's all I really have for you today. You have anything else you want to add, Rachel? 
Nope, I think that's it. And I think we made it through without uh, we didn't coughing a lot. Cough so too much. Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, folks, I appreciate you. Well, your patience for one thing. We didn't get that yes. episode last week. And when I didn't hear, you know, I heard a couple, there was a couple people reached out to me. And I didn't know, I did, I don't know if you got anything. I got two emails. No, so I was on a podcast. I hope everything's okay, you know, but yeah, I right. didn't reach yeah. out. So Sorry, folks. We it. both have been um, so under the weather. We've been doing so good about like not missing episodes for so long that I was really disappointed to miss one, but yeah, it just happened. So, um, but there you have it, folks. And until next week, hopefully, fingers crossed, <laughs> uh, right. happy homesteading. God bless. And grow where you're planted. Looking around, I find the sea. I think I need a change. The rat race, I want to flee. My world, I'll rearrange. I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be. Growing gardens, picking fruit, racing livestock, living free. It's a modern Build a modern homestead A lot of folks don't understand Why I wanna live this way They've never eaten from their land Like we do here every day Snapping beans like Grandma did Sitting on her front porch Hunting and fishing like a kid Once you've done all of your chores It's a modern homestead Build a modern homestead Country or city, there's a way To make this change, you gotta start today